So this is Joshua Bell uh, with the Kilt and the Cloth and our continuous Bible study on the book of Genesis as we begin Genesis chapter 49 today. So again, as I've said in most of our uh, recordings, that uh, the, the narrative in the book of Genesis is to, to make us remember that God does not break promises. That's issue number one. Issue number two is, is that the writers of the book of Genesis are leading us to the 12 tribes of Israel. Issue number three is, is that once the 12 tribes of Israel are established, then what has to happen is, is we've got to explain why they're in Egypt. <clears throat> why is Exodus such an important book for them? So this becomes a massive uh, shift. Uh, I think most of us that have read this before will say, Chapter 49 and 50 is like, okay, let's throw it all together as quickly as possible, put a nice little bow on it, and get to Exodus. Uh, it happens fairly fast. And uh, my favorite part, though, of chapter 49 is it talks about the 12 boys and then some. Uh, I'm, I'll talk about that later. But it talks about them and then talks about how their people are. Uh, which I love. I love how they, they give descriptions of, of the tribes. It's, it's like saying, well, you know those people from Stillwater? Well, they're, they're always a little bit different than those people from Perkins or Glencoe. Notice I love Perry out of that because we're awesome. And it's not our fault that nobody else can be as good as we are. So uh, there's, there's a, it's, that's what's happening. So chapter 49, they're trying to say, well, you know, the tribe of Issachar, well, those people are dot, 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 dot. <clears throat> and so it, there's a there's a, a ranking that takes place. Uh, there's these ancient tribal sayings that we don't talk about because, again, we're not from that tribe, but it's it's how they describe one another. Uh, I always thought this was neat because one of the things that you have to think about is, is that there obviously was not social media, but there wasn't a phone book either, right? And before a phone book, the only way that you knew where people lived is you memorized their address. And before addresses, you know, you had to remember what kind of area of land that they lived in. And before that, you know, this is where you kind of get kind of close to who we are. You knew them by their behavior or the way they dressed or the way they acted or the way they looked, maybe even. And you start to see this in an anthropological lens of how they just start describing each other without necessarily having to give geographical, but they do sometimes. But really the goal is, is for them to say, this is how you'll know we're related. In other words, not to separate and cause division, but more of a, this is how you know we are, we're family. <clears throat> so you know your cousins that live all the way out in Idabel? Well, this is, this is how you know you're related. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, with that being said, uh, any questions, comments before we get started? And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna read fairly quickly. Uh, 49 happens pretty self-explanatory. Uh, I am gonna stop once we read it so that we can discuss bits and pieces of it, because um, we're really gonna stop about verse 27. So, if there aren't any. I'm gonna get started. I'll drink some coffee real quick so that I can clear up my throat. <clears throat> and Jacob called his sons and said, 
Come together that I may tell you what is to befall you in days to come. Now, before I get too far into this, this is a prophetic speak. This is, this is, I'm going to tell you the future. <clears throat> this is, remember Jacob, in a lot of senses, is considered prophet uh, in the Hebrew world. He has visions. He talks to God. And what was it that we always say that a prophet eventually does at some point or another? Foretells the future. So this is kind of one of those conversation pieces. Assemble and hearken, O sons of Jacob. Hearken to Israel, your father, Reuben. You are my firstborn, my might, and first fruit of my vigor, exceeding in rank and exceeding in honor, unstable as water. You shall excel no longer. For when you mounted your father's bed, you brought disgrace. My couch, he mounted. Uh, we don't know what this means. Um, there's just some weird thing that's taking place, but there it is. I mean, like even the Hebrew translators don't know what that's supposed to mean there at the end, except for he got in trouble. <clears throat> Simeon and Levi are a pair. Their weapons are tools of lawlessness. Let not my person be included in their council. Let not my being be counted in their assembly. For when angry, they slay men. Remember their sister? Uh, and when pleased, they name oxen. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their wrath so relentless. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So now I'm dividing them from the family, and scattering them from the land. You, O Judah, your brother shall praise. Your hands shall be on the nape of your foes. Your father's sons shall bow low to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. On prey, my son, have you grown. He crouches and lies down like a lion, like the king of beasts. Who dare rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from Judah between his feet. So that tribute shall come to him, and the homage of peoples be his. He tethers his ass to a vine, his ass is full to a choice vine. He washes his garment in wine, his robe in blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth are whiter than milk. And we're going to come back to Judah. <laughs> Zebulun shall dwell by the seashore. He shall be a haven for ships, and his flank shall rest in silence. Fantastic, thank you. Issachar is a strong-boned ass, crouching among the sheepfolds. When he saw how good was security and how pleasant was the country, he bent his shoulder to the burden and became a toiling serf. Dan shall govern his people as one of the tribes of Israel, and Dan shall be a servant by the road, a fiber by the path that bites the horse's heels so that the horse that that, that his rider is thrown backward. I wait for deliverance, O Lord. <clears throat> Gad shall be raided by raiders, and, but he shall raid at their heels. Asher's bread shall be rich, and he shall yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a hand, uh, uh, um, is a hind let loose, which yields lovely fawns. Joseph is a wild ass, a wild ass by a spring, wild colts on a hillside. Archers bitterly assailed him. They shot at him and carried him, yet his bows they taught. 
and his arms were made firm. By the hands of the mighty one, that, oh, and arms usually is also translated like uh, branches. By the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, there is the shepherd, the rock of Israel, the God of your father, who helps you, and El Shaddai, who blesses you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that couches below, blessings of the breast and womb, blessings of your father surpass the blessings of my ancestors to the utmost bounds of the eternal hills. May the rest on the head, may they rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the elect of his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he consumes the foe, and in the evening, he divides the spoil. Now, I said I was going to stop, but we're going to go ahead and finish this. All these were the tribes of Israel, 12 in number, and this is what their father said to them as he bade them farewell, addressing to each of them a parting word appropriate to him. Then he instructed them, saying to them, I am about to be gathered to my kin. Bury me with my fathers in the cave, which is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave, which is in the field of Machpelah, facing Mamre, in the land of Canaan, the field that Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite for a burial site. There, Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There, Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah, the field and the cave in it bought from the Hittites. When Jacob finished his instructions to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed. Breathing his last, he was gathered to his people. So I, I love this whole passage. <clears throat> uh, comments before we get to Judah. I just note that Simeon and Levi are put together and that Levi is then weapon of violence and, and killed man in anger and he's those are the ones that are going to become priests so that's exactly that's right yeah isn't that weird it's weird is judah the king judah is the king but would be of king okay noble birth i was trying to remember because it's been a few days since i read it but yeah <clears throat> anyway uh it, it alluded to one of them being king of kings. I mean, mm -hmm. so that's Judah mm -hmm. because he had, or yeah, it was in different order, is what I was trying to say. I yes. mean, when, when they were listing it, yes, he, he was up front with Levi, and Levi got a little bit better, <laughs> better report, better report than what this gives. That's right. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of a problem for us as Christians because Judah. Is who we tie to Jesus. Um, and so the phrase, even the phrase King of Kings, uh, is, a, is a phrase that came uh, in, in about the, the ninth or 10th century AD that we started to refer to Jesus as the King of Kings mm -hmm. in a land of European descent, right? And Judah, he, he is the ultimate king because his dad set him up that way. And the, the, the lineage of kings had to come from the lineage of Judah. Now, the funny thing is, we tie Jesus' lineage to what? Ruth and Obadiah. Ruth, yeah, Ruth, right? So he's got to be the lineage of David. Now, ultimately, he's going to be Ruth's family, but David is the ultimate lineage. Uh, the, the, that family is not tied to Judah. So it's, it's just this weird, interesting <laughs> thing because... Christians, uh, as we were continuing on our understanding of describing Jesus, this you, you can start to see where there's a lot of holes. Like, we, we recognize Jesus as our Messiah. 
and, and there's not a thing wrong with that. But you can start to see where the hole is when you when you read this, and you're like, yeah, but he needs to be like at least from the tribe of Levi, you know, at least <laughs> something on the religious side. Yeah, something, you know, and he's not well, he's not even Judah. Okay, so he's got to be from Levi. Well, you know, and I've, and I've seen. This is the part that's upsetting and disturbing to me is this that you know you can you can take anything you want and this is why i get frustrated when we talk about uh sunday school curriculum and bible study stuff you know a lot of these faith movements will uh proof text things they'll take one little passage of scripture and then they'll try to tie it to something in the hebrew bible that has nothing to do with it but it sounds close <laughs> Right, like the words sound the same. And so they, they put them together and then they say, well, this is your proof. And you're like, no, that, that's not proof at all. You just put two sentences together. I can do that too. <laughs> uh, you know, to err is human and to forgive is divine. That's biblical, right? No, that's Shakespeare, right? So <laughs> and then this, there's this, this, this idea that we can do that all day long. But uh, this passage of scripture, super frustrating because we've used it and didn't even know the Europeans were trying to tie us to Jesus. Well, this is your proof. No, it's not your proof. It's literally talking about the 12 tribes and how they began. My dad loves uh, uh, Joseph and Asher and Dan. Um, the, the, you're going to hear about them again later on. Uh, Benjamin, notice that Benjamin was the one that was, um, he's the youngest. Right, and his dad says, "Well, he's a ravenous wolf. Like he's just, yeah. But he divides the spoil. So, in other words, he 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 he's so protective of his tribe, right? Uh, that he's he's doing that. Joseph didn't get to be the good looking one this time. He did not. And that comes back to Judah. Yep, and that's <laughs> going to be Judah again. Exactly. His teeth are whiter than milk. His eyes are darker. What? But here's the Jesus connection. That's where I was going with this. Thank you for pointing that out." <laughs> This is the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff between his feet, so that people can come to him and pay homage. And the homage of those people shall be his. Now, here's where it gets funky. He tethers his ass to a vine. His asses fall to a choice vine. Do you remember the story of him sending the disciples out to go yeah. get him a Find a cult. Find a cult. That's issue number one. That's not what this says. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. I'm trying to help you all here. It does not say this is where he goes into Jerusalem. The next part, he washes his garment in wine. What did they clothe him in when they had him on trial? A robe. Purple robe. robe. Purple robe. And what happens when you smash grapes? They turn purple. Mm. Right? So if you use those purple grapes and you stain the the, the robe, it turns purple. Now, for them, they're just explaining royal robes. Yeah. They're not saying that this is proof that Jesus was from the line of Judah. It's saying that this is, this is everybody says, well, it says that the, the royalty wears purple robes. Well, where do you get that? Right here. That's where we get it. That's how we know that the royalty wore purple robes. Not that Jesus wearing a purple robe at his trial ties into Judah. You see how that yeah. wasn't that mocking? Yes, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very, very much so. yeah. 
to, to put them together is a phrase that we use a lot called supersessionism. Supersessionism means that we're trying to, to dis, disseminate, well, disintegrate the, the Jewish culture and make Jesus as elevated. And, and, and so what we do is, is we say, well, here's your proof that he's supposed to wear a purple robe, but that's not what it's saying, right? So what we do is, is we, we call it supersessionism and says, well, this is proof that Jesus is better than men. No, it's, it's not it at all. It was a mocking thing from the Roman court because they knew this story. That's where I was going. So yeah, it was a mocking thing. It was not, <clears throat> not claiming Jesus's royal nobility because even, even calling him the king of kings, which they do, right? Uh, that, that's in a mocking moment in his trial. You see, so this this is an interesting thing. Um, the uh, other one that was interesting, um, Issachar. Uh, Issachar, uh, he he gets mentioned a lot. Actually, um, you you know their their, la their land called Iskandarun or Iskandarun, depending on who you talk to, um, and and. They really were like a, a group of people that a conquering army would come in and say, okay, you guys are going to come work for us. And they'd say, okay, cool. I I don't have any proof of this today um, because I'm I'm just remembering this conversation. But we have to remember that in the Hebrew culture, at the end of the day, they're they're mostly pacifists. Right? There's there's not a for them, there's not a reason to start war. There's a reason to defend oneself, but only if God has deemed it necessary. So there's there's a lot of conversation about, well, but then what do you explain with Joshua and Judges and first and second Kings? Well, yeah, that's the proof that they they figured out that if we do this on our own, uh, we're gonna fail. So this Gandarin that becomes the place that these people end up staying, right? These are also names of names of towns, names of people, names of geographical locations, Dan, Naphtali, Issachar, Gad, Asher, these are all names of places. And so when you, when you get to this place, you start to go, well, the people from Is Issachar or Iskandarin, they, they're, they, they make really good slaves or serfs. You know, that's not even the language they would use. That's an obvious English translation, toiling servant. Uh, they didn't have indentured servants in their language. So surf works better um, for them. So yeah, I want to go back to what uh, Sally pointed out, Simeon and Levi. They, Simeon and Levi ended up becoming the ones that uh, <laughs> become the leaders. Um, Simeon and Levi both, uh, you, you, can, you have to be a Levite before you can be a priest, you know? So that's, that's a big deal. Um, bless Reuben's heart. He, he, he doesn't, uh, he, he messes up a lot uh, and, and, and his people mess up a bunch. And so we, we, we get the understanding from that. But before, before Jacob leaves the world, he, he bids farewell to the 12 tribes of Israel, the people promised to his grandfather a long time ago, the people that against all odds and in all the face of formidable challenges, external and external, and now, by the grace of God, have come into existence. That's your proof. 
that God does not break promises. So, um, so I, I just had to, I had to kind of leave that there for you all. Um, notice that Joseph has all of these amazing things happening to him. And again, he's now again the favorite as far as reading this. You can see that. I like that he wants to be buried for his fathers, plural. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's yeah. not grandfather, great grandfather, it's his fathers. Um, back a little bit earlier when Jacob is telling, and this is 47, uh, telling him all this mm -hmm. before he tells him right. all this, when he's only talking to Joseph, uh, he says, Swear to me. He said that Joseph swore to him and Israel worshiped him as he leaned on the top of his staff. I hadn't ever picked up on it, and but that staff is an underlying thing that goes all the way to Moses. Yeah, that's and it's and then to Joshua. It's Adams. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, that depends on who you talk to. Yeah. Anyway, they they all, that's all I'm saying here. Just, just no big deal that he's leaning on his staff and thinking about this. But uh, well, we we got we got to talk about it now because you you opened up that can of worms, Robert. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a good it's a good can of worms. If there's anything that I can say about the Hebrew culture, it would be that they are based off of tradition, right? Like there's there's so much tradition stuff that we don't catch. Unless we we do in depth Bible study like this, so the staff, the staff that Robert's referring to is the same staff that Adam used. Adam, the first born human, right? Adam, that staff is the same staff that he had. It somehow got passed all the way down to Noah, and then it got passed down from Noah to Abraham. And then that staff went from Abraham to his son, and then to his son, and now Jacob has this. This staff then gets passed over time to Joseph, then from Joseph all the way to Aaron, not Moses. Moses doesn't get to have it until he gets the people out of Egypt. Once he's gotten the people out of Egypt, Aaron passes the staff to Moses, who then uses it to lead God's people out of bondage. And the best scene for that is the parting of the Red Sea. He takes the staff, hits the water, and the water parts, right? He takes the staff, and he hits a rock, and water comes pouring out of it and comes and gives water for everybody. This staff is a big deal. Now, everybody's going to ask, well, what happens to the staff, right? Well, the staff ends up eventually deteriorating. And the story goes that they put that staff inside the Ark of the Covenant along with the Ten Commandments, the two tablets that carry the Ten Commandments. So when you are carrying this Ark of the Covenant, a.k.a. the promise of God, just saying, that was where all of the power and the lineage from our beginnings are inside this box. The very essence of God on earth is in here. See, so the staff means something. It's it's a it's a big big deal, and it's a beautiful story, right? Like, I mean, what do we have to pass on to our kids? Well, we we don't, you know. We talk about inheritance, but usually it's it's money, right, or it's land, or it's something like that. But 
you know, a trinket, something that has been passed on from generation to generation. <clears throat> I'm, I'm fortunate because my dad and my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents uh, all worked with wood. And so uh, there is a, this sounds weird, but there's a screwdriver that has been passed down from my great-great-grandfather down to me, you know, and the idea is, is that it becomes my responsibility to make sure that nothing happens to the screwdriver that gets passed on to my 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 ch children and it's it, and why does it matter? Well, my my great great grandfather built it with his bare hands. Like there's this there's this thing that's tied to that, and and it really works well for farmers. So how does your brother feel about it? Uh, well, Luke Luke didn't really have any problem with it because my family really made sure a big deal was well Luke and Adam both. We had things that my mom and dad both passed on to us that were from our grandparents. And luckily, I mean, just, I, I, I tell people this, but they don't believe me, that I was extremely fortunate as a child growing up because I had both of my grandparents on both sides alive until 2013. You know, so in 2013, my whole life changed from that point on. So, um, so my grandparents, uh, Dean and Paula Bell in Kansas, would pass things on to Luke and Adam as much as they would to me. Um, my grandparents, Jean and Betty Curtis in North Carolina, they passed on things. To, I mean, the, my library, that's that's Jean Curtis. Nobody in the family said, no, we don't want it. You know, so, but granddad was adamant that I got that. So we, we, we were fortunate in that matter because there was never an argument. It was never a, a problem. And it was just an honor to be stow these things. You're not even the second son. And I'm not even the second son, but Luke does get everything. But you know, I mean, I'm not there. <laughs> but but you know, it's it's a this staff Robert caught is is a massive deal, but it's only to them, right? It's this this item that has been passed on from generations into this place. And yes, it ends up in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, why does that matter again? Well, where's the Ark of the Covenant? You see? And so even the stuff that tied us back to the creation of the earth has disappeared from our eyesight because we've fallen off the path so much. See how cool that is? I didn't pick up on the staff even when we read it the other day. No. I mean, I went back to see everything sounds familiar, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like, we've already read this. Why are we doing this again? Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. But yeah. that, that's when I noticed that he was, Israel mm -hmm. was resting on the staff and and there's your promise fulfilled i will make of you a great nation da, 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 da. there's the proof so it's a good good catch good catch um, hey josh yes at least your thing that's passed down from son to son to son is a screwdriver ours is a huge desk <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Diesel's multiple grades back was a woodworker and he built a secretariat desk with the curved glass and all that. Yeah. And it goes to the son of the oldest son of the oldest son of the oldest son, blah, blah, blah. And our son is like, Mom, that's old. It's not really fit in our house. And I said, well, well, I don't know what to tell you. It's yours when the day comes. Right, 
Right. And then it goes to Aiden. And then it goes, he goes, oh, my God, Mom. Yeah. It's, you know, it's generations down are like, uh, what do we do with it? You know? Well, then, and, and you just you just named it, Betty. One of the one of the reasons that we don't see that happening in our culture is the reality of these things, right? Like the gigantic period yeah. desk. It doesn't make sense after a while, you know. It, 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 and then it does, but then you don't <clears throat> do with it. Well, you make a shrine in the corner of your house, and you will pass that screwdriver down to Quentin. Oh yeah, or Matt. will it mean anything to them? Well, you have see, to make it mean something. Yeah. You, you see that that becomes the this is where we came from. You know, that, that has to be the speech. It has to be the story. That has to be the story with it. It's the story, not the, the mm -hmm. item. Right. Now I, I have to be honest with you. I, I don't have the screwdriver right now. It's at my dad's house. Like dad's like, when I die, you get this. Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay, dad, you know. But the the story he had to tell me the story that when he does die and comes to me, then I have to sit down with Quentin and Madeline. Now, the funny thing about being a Scottish family is, is that we're all about the stories. And so Madeline and Quentin will be like, oh, gosh, and here we go again. You know, so it's this, you know, they, and they tell you, they'll tell you now, they can't ask dad a question without getting a story to go along with it. They can't ask grandma and grandpa a story without getting a story to go along with it. My great grandmother in, oh, my grandmother in North Carolina, Madeline goes to hang out with her in June and she's, they, they sit down and she, my grandmother had a story for everything. And so she's just now figuring this out. It's like, well, this is kind of who we are. Yeah, yeah, that, the story becomes more important to us than that relic. And they're blessed that they get those stories. They right. may think, oh my gosh, here we go again. But when they get older, they will appreciate those stories because some people just don't have the stories. Well, and it's so funny you should say this, right? Because what is the story tying us to? Our heritage. Our heritage. Mm -hmm. and, and, this, and this group of people, Israel is trying, or Jacob is trying to say, listen, you guys are going to fight like cats and dogs, but remember where we came from. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and as annoying as it is to hear the stories as a child, you come back at it as an adult and go, oh my gosh, like you said, what a blessing that was. This becomes the root, the impetus of the way that they tell stories in their culture. And, and, and look at look at what we've read. I mean, we've just we're getting to go to Jacob, Jacob's death here in a second, which is fairly quick. It's it's beautiful, but it's still fairly quick. Look at all the stories that we've gone through through Genesis. It's all about their heritage, where they came from. You know, it's, it's, it's why I always get on the church people about families. Like, what is it that Aunt Sally's going to tell <laughs> them about their family, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they have stories, by the way, just put it out there. Sally has told them stories. And so you, you, you look at that, you know, what is it Diana's going to pass on to Nicole? You know, what is that, how are we going to pass these things on in our, in our stories? What is it that Gabe's going to remember of your parents and, and you know, Jake's parents? These, these, your kids are, uh, as the Cunninghams, for example, are just as fortunate and crazy as mine in the sense that I've had my grandparents and my great-grandparents for most of my life. And 
I got to see them on one side at least, right? You know, and, uh, then you get to my wife. Carmen is the only child of two people that got, that loped and left their family and have no ties to any of them whatsoever. And so this, this rich heritage that comes from my family is not intimidating. It's just something that she's adopted into. And you remember that time, Carmen? You know, she's that person from Arkansas. We don't claim her from Arkansas. She became an Okie when she got married. You know, there's this joke and this conversation that happens. But that is the book of Genesis. That's my whole point. I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm getting all excited and romantic here. But this, this becomes the goal. Okay, I have a question. The step started with Adam. Yeah. Where did Adam get it? <laughs> uh, well, so the the it depends on who you talk to. That's where I was saying it as a joke with Robert. So some books, some rabbis remember the rabbis all about the story, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So some will say that it came from the tree of knowledge. Mm -hmm. The branch fell off as they were leaving the garden of Eden. Some some will say that God provided it to him along his path. Is remember because. What's the curse that God gave to Adam? You wander the land. And wander the land and toil. Toil the soil. Toil, till the soil. <laughs> That's Sorry. right. Till the soil. So that God, God gave him clothing. He had to give him the tools to till the soil, right? So some say that that was a farming implement that somehow he, he kept all these years. I just read all of Adam's life, and there's nothing mentioned about a staff. Uh, but this is the story for them. Ah. Uh. Okay. Right, right. No, the story from them is it comes from Adam. It had to come from somewhere. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't. It's... You go get a stick that has a curve in it. I and that's it. But see, it now you're speaking Adam. logic. <laughs> that's right. You're speaking logic. That's, that's right. Not, 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 a, not a romantic notion that no. they are full of. They wouldn't have passed a stick that they just picked up off the ground. Oh, yeah, they would. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody had it they thought it was important this is where sally would become realists but the, the truth is is that the, the, the story has to go that it came from Adam. is it in the bible no no <laughs> not even close not even mentioned but the only one that gets mentioned with the staff is moses moses and here right there's this weird this this weird dialogue for us why is it, this is a perfect side note, so in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, we have a chalice and a platen, right, or patent, depending on who you talk to, right, so you have this plate, and you have this cup, how do we know what it looked like? They've probably found shards of things that showed what the typical things were at that time, but on the other hand, they were made out of clay, so there might not have been any shards to find. It's a, it's a great the first image that we have of it is in a, 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 a house found in near Ephesus mm -hmm. where we found Byzantine tile on the floor. And it also shows the Lord's, uh, the Last Supper in the triclinium, the, the triangular shaped oh. table. That's the first image we have. And, and it's just kind of, it looks like a chalice like we have, but like Sally noted, it, it would most likely been made out of clay. And my favorite part about this is but we think it would have been made out of what? Wood. Why? Because Jesus is carpenter. Right. But it's not his house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I was going to say, we get it from, there's this one line in the Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, 
And he says, well, Jesus was a carpenter. It would have been made out of wood. It would have never been made out of something fancy. But it wasn't his house. That's it right. wasn't his house. You see, how, you see how this goes? So at the end of the day, did it say what kind of cup he used? No. Yep. But do we use a cup every Sunday? Yep. And somehow it turned into a chalice. And somehow <laughs> turned into a chalice. And chalice is massively European. And so now, now you get to this weird this weird dynamic. This, and then Sally pointed out very adequate perfectly in the sense of, well, where does it say that? It doesn't. <laughs> it's not there. It's just the tradition that they have followed in the same way that we follow the tradition of our chalice and patent on Sunday. And, and, and they all look different. Well, that's on purpose. And I'm not even saying this staff itself was probably connected whenever they wrote that 1300. Uh -huh, sure. I mean, Sure. They went back and hey, there's a staff all through this. <laughs> yeah. It must be the same one. Yeah. Which is I thought I read not that. a logical statement no. at all. <laughs> That's I thought it's I like saying it was used. All people are blind. My understanding was it was used to carry the ark. Therefore, oh yeah, yeah. So there's another one that says that same <laughs> that same staff was the one that they used to carry the ark with. Now, they didn't talk about the one on the other side, or maybe they yeah, it's made out of complete gold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it, it's it's this weird it's this weird when we story. get to that in exodus we'll have exactly the measurements that's right of every and, and it, item. it's a lot of gold i mean it, it, it would have taken eight people to carry this thing it's crazy so I, I point this all out because it's the story of the beginning how we got to this point the promise that god made to us and here's the answer to the promise and and now it's got to go into the narrative of what happens next Remember, these people are brilliant story writers, uh, storytellers. Mm -hmm. They're brilliant at the understanding. They have all of these traditions that are within the, their culture, but then they decided to put it down on paper or scrolls or whatever. The point is, they're doing it backwards. They had all the stuff, now they're writing it. Yeah. It would be like the Native Americans today writing their stories of the Great Spirit, which they have. You know, like there's a lot of books about the Great Spirit, but it's generations and generations later that, that they sat down and did this after they had alphabets yeah after they had alphabets and somebody taught them to put it how to put it down you know that, that's the other thing sorry i don't mean to segue there's another problem with this is, is that we 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 assume that they all knew how to read and write that that's which is probably not true you know, i mean we we all have to i mean they were all out busy fighting or doing something yeah like. yeah but we also have to remember that it, up until the 17th century, it was less than 3% of the world's population you had to read and write, let alone do them both. So, um, so I mean, we're talking 1700, 3% of the world's population. That's, that's huge. That's a very, very small number, you know. Uh, so the, these people that are writing are very educated, very intelligent, um, and they're trying to tell the story on our behalf. You know, so it's it's just a it's a weird dynamic. So with that being said, let us finish the book of Genesis as Jacob dies. <laughs> and again, very romantic story at the end. Joseph flung himself upon his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And then Joseph ordered the physicians in his service to embalm his father, which would not have happened. I was going to ask about that. Nope. Very strange. He had very weird story. And the physicians embalmed Israel. It required 40 days for such as the full period of embalming. 
the Egyptians bewailed him 70 days. And when the wailing period was over, Joseph spoke to Pharaoh's court saying, do me this favor and lay this appeal before Pharaoh. My father made me swear saying, I'm about to die. Be sure to bury me in the grave, which I made ready for myself in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, let me go up and bury my father, then I shall return. And Pharaoh said, go up and bury your father as he made you promise on oath. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all the officials of Pharaoh, the senior members of his court, and all of Egypt's dignitaries, together with all of Joseph's household, his brothers and his father's household, only their children, their flocks and their herds were left in the region of Goshen. Chariots, too, and horsemen went up with him. It was a very large troop. When they came to Gorad Ha'atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they held there a very great and solemn lamentation, and he observed a mourning period of seven days for his father. And when the Canaanite uh, inhabitants of the land saw the mourning of at Goran Ha'atad, they said, this <coughs> This is a solemn morning on the part of the Egyptians. That is why it is named Abel Mizraim, uh, which means the, literally the morning of the Egyptians, which is beyond the Jordan. Thus his sons did for him as he had instructed him, them. His sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, in the field near Mamre, which Abraham had bought for the burial site for Ephron, from Ephron the Hittite. After burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong that we did him? So they sent this message to Joseph before his death. Your father left us this instruction. We'll let this instruction. So shall you say to Joseph, forgive, I urge you, the offense and guilt of your brothers who treated you so harshly. Therefore, please forgive the offense of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph was in tears as they spoke to him. His brothers went to him themselves, flung themselves before him and said, we are prepared to be your slaves. But Jesus, Joseph said to them, have no fear. Am I a substitute for God? Besides, you have, have you, although you have intended me harm, God intended it for good. So to bring so as to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. And so fear not, I will sustain you and your children. Thus he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. So Joseph and his father's household remained in Egypt. Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph lived to see the children of his third generation of Ephraim. The children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were likewise born upon Joseph's knees. At length, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. God will surely take notice of you and bring you up from this land to the land that he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, when God has taken notice of you, you shall carry up my bones from here. Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. There ends the reading of the gospel. I mean, the, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the book of Genesis, chapter 50. Yay! Finally, it just took it. how long? How long did that take us? Uh, it's only like three months, four months, five months. I don't know. So the Talmud. You have a date, Diane. Rats. But it has them. It tells when all of them died. 
Right. And they actually all died fairly close to each other. Yeah, they died one after the other. Yeah. In the temple. Yeah. And also, it wasn't as nice. Very nice. Oh, January 26, Genesis 2. He saw kind of second book. Like Genesis literally. on January 26th. It says January 26th. January 19th, Genesis 1. Okay, so it only took us eight months. <laughs> it's a big book. That's right. I, I but did the then, whole thing in a year. Did we meet during We're COVID? Or, no, not this year. No, that was several of those. How many of those? Getting months? January the 5th, Genesis. I've got. Okay, 5th, okay. Not January, or January 19th. Oh, we didn't get the light. Nope. Not in this one. No, we uh, we took a couple weeks off for like Easter. Well, I've first 25, starting at 1st. So the week before. But I'm trying to think, you know. It's okay. But one thing from the 19th, this culture was not dedicated to facts. Yeah. <laughs> We'd rather believe it the way we make it up. Uh, yep. It's more fun. So I, I got to give the, the, the short uh, prologue of the book of Genesis. So remember the goal of Genesis then becomes God does not break promises, right? And then uh, that, that becomes the meta narrative for the entire Hebrew Bible. That, that becomes their focus. Um, even in the midst of being enslaved, God doesn't break promises. But even in the midst of uh, us losing all of our farms and fam famine, God doesn't break promises. And they use the book of Genesis as their reminder. Uh, th this is the part that I, I have said wrong on the other recordings. It's not, it's not proof that God will do it. It's the reminder that God has done it in the past, and God will do it in the future, and most likely in the present time. And sometimes you see it, and sometimes you don't. Um, Jacob never got to see the boys all getting along, really. He just, he, just, he just got to see it for the very last time, and he was blind. like he, So he physically didn't even get to see all of these things. He also did not get to see uh, them go back to the promised land. Uh, the, the, bur the burial thing is, is always bothered scholars, but then it doesn't because uh, in the Jewish culture, there, there's a little bit of a leeway, but not much. That when someone dies, you're to bury them fairly quickly. Like that's like within 24 hours. Yeah, like it's, it's in, and, and that's if you can't. Like, okay. you know, if you can't, then we got to work around it. And, find a way to make that work but it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty fast deal uh, he wants to be buried back over by hebron you know like what we know is hebron today so uh this is well he he said take my bones he didn't say take my body and it's oh gone. that's joseph i meant jacob, jacob. oh you're talking about jacob, jacob. says okay. i want to be buried over yes, there right and so joseph in in a moment says well i'm going to embrace our culture and involve him and i can get in there and, yeah and it'll be okay so it's not like he's not really doing it, so there's a, there's still problems with this passage. They still bury him. Oh yeah, they totally put him in the cave. I mean, to this day, they still. No, no, I mean, they even after embalming, I thought they they put him in the ground. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and that's the trick, right? See, it's, he's not being buried; he's being put in a cave. So as long as he's underground, that's all they care. It goes back to the whole fact thing, right? 
it's underground. That's all that matters. To earth, from earth to earth, to dust to dust. That's, that's that idea. Again, we don't get that until Leviticus. That's this whole conversation. So, so there's some interesting things that take place at the end. Joseph's bones. The question that I would want you all to keep in mind is uh, if, if when we can, I think we're going to continue and go through Exodus uh, to a point because at some point I just, my, I start pulling out the leftover pieces of my hair. But the, there's a, the Exodus, the question that I always have had is, is will the Joseph's bone ever make it to the promised land? Because right, that was the, the question. And they bury him there in Egypt, which is what they're supposed to do, right? But does his, does, do they stop when they're fleeing Egypt and say, oh, we got to grab Joseph? <laughs> yeah, I think out, they out did, the but desert. I don't remember. Hmm? When they're out in the desert. Yeah, so they're out, some do I really want to keep following this guy around? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's <laughs> a question that happens. That. Well, we'll get to that answer at some point. But the, the, the point that I, I want you to be thinking of is, is that what's the next meta narrative okay so we we everybody's peaceful in the land of egypt pharaoh is still on good graces with all of the 12 tribes now that are established as tribes no one's upset with one another and uh and even so so much so that pharaoh has even embraced his family as a, a part of his own like that's to be involved with something that was only done by nobles so this is this is another thing you you could you had you had peasant involving because we found them over the years, but it was definitely not done this way, where the entire people of Egypt wailed and mourned for your family for seventy days. This was elevated status anthropologically, so this is a big deal, and this is where Genesis ends. He sent an army back with Isaac. Oh yeah, let's not forget that part. When you say chariots, those aren't just. No taxis run. Yeah, we're going to make sure you get back home <laughs> safely and then back uh, up to there and back home safely. So this, this is not uh, a normal ending, but it is a beautiful bow in the story of Joseph's life. Right? It it, it has a happy ending. Yeah. Uh, uh, that and we don't normally get those in the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> so with that being said, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording unless anybody has any questions. Okay.